Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. I have to start first and see what the needs are and then move and react to the needs in terms of how I can help. be helpful for parents of adults with congenital heart defects or CHDs to have group therapy? What kinds of problems might parents of adult heart warriors face? Who provides this specialized kind of therapy? Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. I am Anna Jaworski and your host. I'm also a heart mom to a heart warrior who is 27 years old and was born with a single ventricle heart. Today's show is Psychosocial Needs for Parents of Adults with CHDs, and our guest is Dr. Corinne Smora. Dr. Smora is passionate about psychotherapy for the CHD community. Being born with CHD herself, she brings experiential knowledge along with her training and research when working with clients, families, and medical professionals impacted by CHD. Her research interest is social work services and therapy for individuals who are born with congenital heart disease. Her experience is counseling individuals who are permanently impacted from automobile accidents, afflicted with chronic disease, experience grief, depression, anxiety, and end of life. She enjoys helping students succeed academically. Dr. Smore earned her bachelor's in business administration from Western Michigan University, master's in social work from Western New Mexico University, and her doctorate in social work from Walden University. Currently, she is an adjunct associate professor, master's of social work program at Western New Mexico University, contributing faculty, a master's of social work program at Walden University, as well as chief clinical officer or CCO of the Heart and Mind Counseling, LLC. She gets some sleep in there somewhere, but I'm not sure where. (laughs) She is currently licensed in multiple states. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Dr. Smora. Thank you, Anna. It's wonderful to be here, and thank you for having me. Well, I'm so excited to get to know more about you. You are one busy lady, and I can't wait to learn more about your program and how you can help my listeners. So let's start with you telling us about your CHD, because I find that people tend to relate better to people when they know what the CHD is. Absolutely. I was born with truncus arteriosus. I was born in 1970, so y'all are going to know my age anyway, and I have had three open-heart surgeries, numerous procedures, and I have been very fortunate in the care I received. I was born in in Washington, D.C., actually Virginia area in Sibley Hospital, and a wonderful doctor by the name of Dr. Perloff, that some may know, got involved in my care and shepherded my parents up to Mayo Clinic. And I have been at Mayo Clinic being followed for pretty much my entire life. So 
I've been able to have continuous care. And even though I moved around a lot, I kept going back and forth there. Like I said, I've been very fortunate. I mean, I've had some challenges along the way, like everyone else has, but we persevere through it. So here Mm -hmm. I am today. That's amazing. And for you to be born in the 1970s with such a serious heart defect, was there even a surgical repair in the 70s for truncus Not until I was five years old. I had to wait until I was five before the heart would be big enough for them to do a correction, which was put in a Hancock conduit and a pulmonary valve from uh, the pig's valve. What did you say? What kind of conduit? It was a Hancock conduit. They have to do some work, from my understanding, to the septum of the heart as well. I haven't heard of that before. Wow. So a Hancock conduit. And this was back in the 70s. This may not be something that they continue to do. Or since I'm just a heart mom, this may be something that everybody knows about. I just haven't heard of it before. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, it did its job. You're doing great. And How interesting that you received your care at Mayo and you continue to. Now Mayo has little satellite clinics all over. In fact, I think there's even one in Florida, isn't there? Actually, I live in Jacksonville and that is one of the things that sort of drove me down to Jacksonville to move to from Michigan. Although Mm -hmm. I was having local care done at University of Michigan and that was fabulous too. But having Jacksonville Mayo Clinic in my backyard, I was like, this will be great. I'll be in the same system. But I also want to say, as I've been in this field and learning more and more, I'm finding there are some really excellent centers throughout the United States as well. And when I first came into this in the 70s, there were not very many centers at all. So I've been able to see them grow. And Mm -hmm. see that there's some really phenomenal centers that have done some great work, not only in the U.S., but I've noticed doing my research that there's some in the world as well. So Mm -hmm. that's been nice to see. The care is improving and the specialization is improving for us. Oh, absolutely. And we'll be getting into that a little bit more later. But I'm so glad that you said that because hopefully that will make people feel better wherever they're listening to this program, knowing that there may be a center close by them that is also renowned for the work that they're doing with adults with congenital heart disease. And that is different than working with babies. Well, I found it interesting that you worked in advertising and real estate before becoming a counselor. I love that you told us in your bio that you enjoy helping students as well. So how do you think having such a diverse background enhances your role of counselor? I believe it enhances it immensely because I've lived through all these stages of life. I've had a high pressure job. I've had the reality of balancing life and congenital heart disease in a multitude of ways, either being a professor, being in the high stress sales of national advertising or real estate with investment. And I understand what is involved in a multitude of different types of careers along with your daily life. And then I've lived it through several life stages, right? When I'm 18, when I'm 25, when I'm 35, when I'm 40. So that helps me help my clients from a lens of understanding the realities of what real life is. 
mm-hmm. because I've uh, also yeah. experienced it along with the congenital heart disease on top of it all. Mm-hmm. So what made you go from advertising to real estate? I know I'm assuming that's the direction yes. that you went first advertising, then real estate, then counseling. I just find that such a fascinating path that you've chosen. So I'll be very straightforward. A lot of it was generated by the congenital heart disease because I was in a high pressure sales job and I started having some challenges with my liver and it kind of put a reality of in order to take care of my health, I would have been in a position that I would pretty much had to work four days a week and be sick three days a week in order to have some procedures or something done. And it just came to a point that I had to leave that position because I I couldn't deal with seven days a week, three days I'm sick, four days I'm working and high pressure work. So that doesn't mean you get to work four days. It means you have to shove five days into four and then be sick because I was going to have to take some medicine and then go on like this for almost a year. And my thought was, this is not a good quality of life. And I had the capability and the ability with the way my support system was set up was to be able to leave that career at that point. So I was able to get through the issues I was experiencing health-wise, but I always had the drive to work and have a career. So real estate became the next step because it was business-oriented. I was very business-oriented, and I got into selling and investing and those kinds of aspects of real estate. And then the market changed for real estate, and it really wasn't working for me. And I was also married and my husband found a job in Honolulu. So I stepped back from the real estate and went to Honolulu for two years. Oh, that so was a huge sacrifice. How... <laughs> Love Everything it. happens for a reason. So sure. I lived there for two years. And when I was in Honolulu, it also helped me realize that the marriage I was in was not working for me. And this is very fearful because... If you are able to not work and you're able to take care of your health, it's a very difficult decision to leave a marriage because all of a sudden your security has taken away from you as well because then you have to worry about working again. You go back to worrying about your health care and your health insurance. And doing it alone, which is really different. Mm Exactly. Yes. So my sense is a lot of people with congenital heart disease could be oriented to stay in a marriage because of that security you get. Mm -hmm. So that was also a big step as well. So when I left that marriage, I went back to advertising and that field had changed so much that Mm -hmm. I said to myself, I need to do something that is going to be a long-term career path that works with my capabilities physically. Mm -hmm. And I always had a burning desire to give back to the congenital heart disease community. I wanted to do something that gave in return because I was a child of the 70s and there were not a lot of scenarios where there was a lot of success like mine. There was a high death rate still for babies born with congenital heart disease. Sure. So 
I, I felt a strong need to give back to all those doctors and all those people that worked so hard for my care to keep that kind of care moving forward for the rest of our community and to keep it growing. And I called Paula Miller at ACHA and I said, how many therapists are there that specialize in congenital heart disease? And this was like eight, nine years ago. And she gave me three. And I was like, oh my goodness, I have to do this. So I applied to school to go back and get a master's in social work. And I went to school and that was my whole thought. I am going to be specializing in congenital heart disease because there was no one there when I came through that really got it. I had a wonderful therapist that really read all the books, really worked hard to understand, but it's just a different sense when someone's been through it and can relate. So that's what I did. And then after I finished my master's, I thought, well, I do have time to go back for my doctorate. And that also gave me the ability to really dig deep down into research as to what is being done from a psychosocial aspect and what's working for our community, for the CHDers from that respect. So that was a great opportunity for me to really dig down. And now as I come out and start practicing, there's a lot of knowledge I gained during that three-year process to apply and help others. Night Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The opinions expressed in the podcast are not those of Hearts Unite the Globe, but of the hosts and guests, and are intended to spark discussion about issues pertaining to congenital heart disease or bereavement. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Corinne, before the break, we were talking about you and your diverse background, and I'm so impressed with the different stages in your life and how you stopped and assessed your quality of life issues and made some really hard decisions to be a better person and then to give back to others. I just absolutely love it. So let's talk about this new program that you have coming up. It's a monthly group therapy program with heart and mind counseling. Can you tell me more about it? Absolutely. We're doing a group for parents. This has evolved from a request from some parents to do this group. And it's focused on parents who have young adults with CHD. There is a need to talk about what is going on and how things are going to progress from a parental perspective as watching their child go into a young adult. 
And there's also a lot of concern some parents have when they start looking at their child that is becoming a young adult. How are they going to take care of themselves? How are they going to have a career that they can go in and be able to flourish and be independent? And another thing that parents are always concerned about is how will my child be after I can't take care of them anymore? Will they be okay? And these are a lot of concerns some parents have that we're going to open up in this group and talk about. And by doing this to take some pressure off the young adults, knowing that their parents are working on, for lack of a better word, letting go a little bit. It's always hard to let go of your child, right? My research showed me that You'll have a 70-year-old mother in the clinic with a 45-year-old adult saying, I'm going to be at these appointments until the day I can't any longer. And it's just not unusual. But how do we balance all that? Because as a parent that has had a child with congenital heart disease, there's been so much more bonding and more connection that has gone in due to the CHD that navigating this path can be challenging. So we're going to open up all those issues and address them and talk about them in our groups and help parents cope with this and help them encourage their young adult to become independent and help them move in that direction. It's interesting that you said what you did, because when my heart warrior was two, we got internet and it was dial up. We were so excited. We were connected to the world. And that was the first time for me to really be able to reach out on a regular basis to other parents who had young children with Mm -hmm. CHD. And we used to make, (laughs) this is going to really date me. Okay, way back when, in the 1990s, we had an AOL Friday night chat. Oh, yes. So while my friends were off supporting the local high school football team, I was sitting in front of my computer talking with people all around the world about, oh my goodness, do you think I need to talk to the cardiologist? I hate to call the cardiologist for this, but I'm worried about this or that. And other parents would talk teething and G-tubes and all kinds of stuff. And it was great to have that once a week. I knew I could meet with these people. We knew we could talk about things. But as our kids got older, we quit doing that because we got so busy with all of their activities mm-hmm. and we stopped doing mm-hmm. it. Luckily for me, I've been able to, through Facebook, keep up with a lot of my friends. And so as mm-hmm. my kid aged, their kids aged as well. And as we started having new problems, we could talk with one another about it. So I think there's a real benefit to having a group where you can talk to people who understand. You don't have to even say anything about being afraid that that other shoe might drop and knowing that we need another pacemaker. We have a pacemaker surgery coming up or like my child had a Fontan revision right before going to college and took a year off Mm -hmm. between high school and college to have that surgery and give himself time to recover from it. These are things that parents of heart healthy children don't have to think about. And no, all of a sudden you're dealing with, I have to deal with the impact of helping my child through the mental duress of the surgery, as well as taking a year off school and feeling like 
they're falling behind. Right. And for my Heart Warriors case, he had earned a scholarship and they didn't want to give him the scholarship if he took a year off and it took us, well, it took him writing a letter Mm -hmm. and explaining his unique circumstances. And they deferred the scholarship for a year. And we're very understanding about that, which was nice. But again, that's not something that is typical for somebody who is heart healthy. So it really does help to have other people that you can talk to who, oh yeah, I've been there. (laughs) Absolutely. I get that. Mm Mm-hmm. So talk to me about how group therapy and individual therapy works for clients. Absolutely. Group therapy can be an enhancement for individual therapy. So if you feel like you need individual therapy, it's important to go get that individual therapy. But the group therapy is an enhancement. So every parent has different challenges and getting what we call in group therapy is called mutual aid. So mutual aid is when each parent can help the other parent. There's a synergy that goes on in the group. So they receive mutual aid from each other and ideas from other parents can be helpful, but also validating. Mm -hmm. And then when you have a therapist facilitating the group, the therapist can help point out potential pitfalls, roadblocks, communication challenges, as well as a different perspective on how things work. So just because you are in group therapy does not mean you will not get any individual attention Mm. in the group. You will. So when I conduct group therapy, I will tune in to each person for a specific challenge I see they're encountering and address it. Mm -hmm. But what happens is the others can benefit from that. Tuning in to the other person. And getting some pitfall or a question or some sort of exploration or suggestion or just a different way of looking at something. Mm -hmm. So that is a little bit about how the group works and how the therapist interplays, but also the advantage of why the group is an enhancement. So will each group therapy session have a specific topic or how is it? you decide what it is you're going to talk about that month. We will have a specific topic for our first group session at the end of the month on August 25th. We're going to really start that and really understand from parents what they're encountering that they want to address. And then what I'm going to do is take that and go with that. And we can break out individual topics each month based upon that. But I would like to get from this group what they're challenged with, because I want to make sure we address their needs. I don't want to go through and research what I think they're experiencing. I want to know exactly what they're experiencing, and then I can go through. And if I need to do additional research or additional exploring on what they need, we can do that. So now I really know I'm helping their biggest and most major concerns. And that's a lot of how I do my individual therapy sessions, too. We start with where the client is most concerned. So we're going to start where the group is most concerned and tick off those concerns and flesh those out and explore them. For anybody who is interested in having group therapy with Dr. Smora, 
There will be a link in the show notes, and that's in the description of the show, that will take you to her website where you can fill out the form. Actually, all they need to do on the website is just fill out their name and information, and then we'll get an inquiry, and we'll be able to follow up with them. Okay. Now, is this going to require any special equipment, or is it like a Zoom call? How do you do the therapy, since it sounds like it will be available to anybody in the United States? It will be available to those who live in states I'm licensed in. So currently, I am licensed in Alabama, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, Iowa, Kansas, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Texas. I'm currently waiting on approval for Ohio and Massachusetts. And upcoming will be Wisconsin, New York, and Oklahoma is where I plan on applying next. Wow. Yeah. So I need to be licensed in the state the person has their feet in for them to participate in the group. We will be using Google Meets. I send out a link and we'll all be doing Google Meets. So you'll need the Google Meets app and you'll need to have a camera. Okay. So you will have to have a camera. Can people do that on their phone? Yes. Okay. I think it's fascinating that I, here in Texas, could be doing therapy with my girlfriend in Florida or somebody in one of the other states where you're licensed. How many people will there be in each group? I would like to have the maximum be 10 and see how that feels in terms of how people (laughs) interact with one another and if they feel they have enough time to talk. If there's a need that we can take more than 10 and more than 10 want to join, we'll see what that looks like. My wonder is I might split it out into two Mm -hmm. to accommodate that. So uh, I'll have to see from a clinical perspective how the flow goes with 10 people as a max. And if we might be able to add one or two more and I see that everyone's still getting the attention and be able to participate, then we would. But otherwise, Nat, I think 10 right now would probably be the maximum I would put it at. So right now you want to limit it to 10 people. What happens if you get 20 or 30 different people who submit an interest form to you? Will you try and make three different groups that meet once a month? Or will you only? Okay. Seems like that would be the ideal situation. So here's another thought. First of all, a lot of times people have difficulty with timing, right? Sometimes people find evening is better than during the day, somewhat during the day, somewhat evening. The other thing to remember is there are some people that have children with CHD that they might have had some cognitive challenges. So they have different experiences. Their child may be 30, but maybe more in that 18 range. And again, it comes into that mutual aid. So I think if parents Mm -hmm. know it's 18 plus, right, Mm -hmm. you may have a 35-year-old child, but you might be at a stage where you're just getting them into college. So where they may have autism as well and can't go to college, or they may have some other situation where they're 35, but they are more like a, a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old. And unfortunately, I know quite a few people who are in that situation. Their needs are very different. And if they were sitting in a group where those people are addressing college issues, they might feel really left out. So having a group with 
parents of adults who maybe won't have some of those experiences might be beneficial so they know they're not alone. So I think one of the things we have to keep in mind is that this is very new and we have not had a lot of this before. So as we go along, we're going to be learning. And as I go along and I see this happening, I'll be manipulating the groups and saying, okay, maybe you need to be in this group, group A, because you can get better mutual aid from here. Or Mm -hmm. maybe you want to go to this group because this will be more of what you're dealing with. So we can balance them out like that. But right now, we have no idea where the interest is going to be and who's going to be coming through the door that will want to join the group. So. Mm -hmm. That's why I say I have to start first and see what the needs are and then move and react to the needs in terms of how I can help. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect or CHD community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. As we said at the top of this show, Dr. Smora, we know that you are in a very unique position to be counseling these groups of parents because you yourself were born with a congenital heart defect. Can you tell me how your practice differs from other practices in counseling people who have been affected by CHD? Yes, I can. At this point, there are five of us in the United States that are specialized in CHD in private practice. And either we have CHD ourselves or we have a child with CHD. And the unique thing is in private practice, we have the ability to see a client ongoing. When you're in the hospital, those therapists have a lot of people coming in for surgery and a lot of people that just had surgery and the amount of time they can spend with you can't be like us in private practice. They can see you continuously for a year or see you for six months, stop for six months and then pick back up again. And you have that continuity of care. So one of the things with me having congenital heart disease and being a private practitioner and how I'm different from a private practitioner that doesn't have CHD is I quote unquote, get it right. Mm -hmm. I'm able to bring the research I've done for my doctorate, 
the training in grief and my experiences with CHD and wrap it all up and apply it to anyone who had CHD. And I'm able to look at it through that lens. I'm going to jump back and tell you, I trained in grief because grief brings up everything that can be impactful in your life. So if you have any issues with depression, anxiety, and you experience a loss, it will bring up all those issues. So grief gives me a large span of experience to train under. However, Mm -hmm. congenital heart disease brings up a lot of loss for everyone Mm -hmm. that's involved with it. For the person that has the CHD and for the loved ones and even the healthcare workers that are helping these individuals as well. Having that really intense grief experience helps me help that client better. So that would be the difference. And let's put it this way. When someone is talking to me about how they're preparing for surgery, I know deep down what it's like to roll down in that gurney to that operating room mm-hmm. when you say goodbye to your family and you're on the gurney and you're headed to the OR. It's a feeling that you cannot describe, but when you talk about it and know someone gets it and they've been through it, you can explore what goes on in your mind during that moment. And that's just a snapshot of an example of how I quote unquote get it, that my clients can talk to me about these issues and know that someone has had a similar experience and they can intimately understand where they're coming from and how to apply that to what they're experiencing in their life and why they're anxious or why they're depressed or also why at 25 and 30, they have such an urgent need to accomplish so much in a career in life. And they have this anxiety to do more and do everything and not feel stopped by their congenital heart disease. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have concern that talking to other people about things that you've experienced might trigger some feelings on your part? No, because I've trained for this. When you get a master's in social work, there's a concept that's called transference. And what you have to be aware of is if your client's experiences are transferring to you, and if you're transferring your experiences to your client. So we call it self-disclosure. So I'm very cautious to be very conservative on what I self-disclose about my experiences because my experiences are different than what my client will be experiencing. So I've trained so that I am not triggered by their experiences because they are different than mine, just as they're a different person than I am. I find it fascinating that you said that you talked to Paula Miller from the ACHA, or for those of you who don't know, that stands for the Adult Congenital Heart Association. And she kind of helped encourage you to study to be a counselor for the ACHD community, for the adult congenital heart community. I think that's fascinating. Can you tell us about how you're also working with people to train them in this area? Yes, I am Chief Clinical Officer of Heart and Mind Counseling. 
which is a therapy counseling business that my husband and I opened up. He actually is our CEO. His name is Mark Sagan, and he does all of the business aspect of things, and I do all the clinical aspect. So not only do we specialize in congenital heart disease, but we also have a full service counseling business. And we have one clinician right now that has her CAADC for addiction. And then we have another clinician and she wants to work with veterans. And then I have another clinician coming up that wants to work with domestic issues. So we are going into all these other areas as well with the counseling business. But what I'm also doing is I'm actively looking for those who do have congenital heart disease or impacted by congenital heart disease to join our practice so I can train them to work within our community to help as well. And I also bring up the whole umbrella of heart and mind counseling because The goal is to grow the practice to be 100% telehealth. So we want to span across several states. But Mm -hmm. when we're done with this, we want to be able to sell it to our employees so that the practice can live on. And for those that have joined our practice, know that they have somewhere that they can own eventually or be part owner of and know that they can keep a consistent career path going on to the future. Fascinating. I wonder if this would have even been possible pre-coronavirus. I don't think so, because what the coronavirus has done is it has opened up the ability for me to work with people via telehealth. When this started, I was working in a hospice as a bereavement counselor. So I was instrumental in getting our bereavement counseling to do group therapy over the phone, we started over the phone. And then wow. we moved to doing it via video. Mm-hmm. And I was also instrumental on saying, okay, we have to do individual therapy over the phone. And then we started moving to video. So no, I don't think that it would have stirred me up to go get licensed in multiple states and say, okay, this can be done. I also trained in EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So I'm able to do all that, which is a specific modality for trauma. And I'm Mm -hmm. able to do that via online counseling now via Google Meet. So COVID has really opened up the telehealth. It was available before to people that lived in more rural areas that needed it. But now Mm -hmm. it's made it more, for lack of a better word, mainstream. Right. And people don't think there's anything wrong with it. They're more comfortable with it. I think because at one point or another, everybody's had a meeting via the internet. Yes. Yes. It's It's made it more accessible. Mm -hmm. And also the research has shown that it's just as effective as being in person. So does this mean that you have people that are part of your practice who are not in the same state as you? Absolutely. Our practice main office is actually in Michigan. So yes, we have someone in Michigan. We have someone coming on that lives in Alabama. And then we have another person coming on that lives in Florida. We have a couple other people that are in other states that I'm waiting to see what they want to do in terms of coming on as well. 
So it doesn't matter what state you live in. We just have to have everyone get licensed in Michigan because that's our main office. But they can get licensed in any other state they want. But first and foremost, they need to be licensed in Michigan to work Mm -hmm. with us. And then they can get licensed in any state they want and work with us. Yes. That's a fascinating concept. And I love the fact that you're actively looking for other people, especially people in the CHD community who want to serve the ACHD community. Yes, because actually doing therapy and counseling others is a wonderful career. And it's also a wonderful career for someone that does have congenital heart disease because it is one of the careers that works within the physical limitations some of us encounter. Sure. In terms of the lack of energy and Mm -hmm. being able to support yourself independently and also honor what your body needs in terms of care. Right. And you can be flexible with your scheduling as well. So you don't have to necessarily have the same hours every single week. Precisely. And if you are one of those that can't get up early in the morning, that you need to sleep in, then this is a career that will let you do that. Right. So if there's a counselor who is listening to this program and they might be interested in working with you, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? I would encourage them to give me a call. When someone calls that 707-815-0374 number, that's directly to me right now. And when an inquiry comes in, that goes directly to myself and my husband. And we're pretty much direct access at the moment. As time goes on, it's going to be more than just congenital heart disease people would be calling in for. But right now, it's myself and my husband, Mark Sagan. Well, this is fascinating. I feel like I'm seeing something that's a little seed that's going to be blooming and blooming over the years, Corinne. (laughs) Well, we look forward to it. You know, they say we always give these great big expectations on ourselves for a year, but we never really look forward to like five, seven, eight years and see what things could be. So we're really hoping on the 10-year timeframe, we have a fully 100% telehealth practice that's thriving and not only specializes in CHD, but other aspects, veterans, addictions, because let's face it, CHD is not a one track thing. You can have CHD, but also there might be some issues going on in your family unit that there might be some addiction issues or someone might have served in the military. So we want to be able to do kind of what we call like a wraparound for mm-hmm. these people and be able to help them all the way around because CHD is one part of it. As we all know, CHD doesn't define us. It's just part of who we are. Well, this has just been fascinating, Dr. Smora. Thank you so much for coming on the program today. Well, I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. You're most welcome. And that does conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. Do you have a special story you'd like to share? If so, visit heartsunitetheglobe.org and there's a little button at the bottom of the page. Click on the button that says Hug Interview Bio Application and that will allow you to fill out the form to help me get to know you better and then you can be a guest on the program as well. Have a great day and remember, my friends, you are not alone. 
Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have become inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart community. Heart to Heart with Anna with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard at any time wherever you get your podcasts. A new episode is released every Tuesday from noon Eastern time.